Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Good morning and welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. I've, oh man, I've been busy. I'm halfway out the door doing one other thing and then this thing. And yeah, it's one of those, one of those summers. I've been spending a lot of time rebuilding the website using Webflow. I don't, not sure. I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago that the website got hacked. Um, luckily, with the help of somebody who's a web-based programmer at Shopify, um, we were kind of able to find what was wrong with it. It was like it was a redirect stuck into a header. That doesn't mean much to me, but it might to some people. And so when you access the website, that header would activate the redirect and it would send you off to a porn site. So we managed to get rid of it. Things have been okay on the website. It's uh, it's WordPress and I'm not a WordPress expert. I think I did a decent job of making a decent site, but um, there's so much to know with plugins and stuff and all these things I just don't know about. And it's not the fastest website in the world. So it had been suggested to me to rebuild and I did. And I'm using Webflow and <clears throat> it probably won't get it up. I probably won't get it live until uh, a couple weeks from now, but I'm going to keep on working on it. And um, it looks really good. I think it looks great. Um, I've sent it off to a couple friends to have a look at. And um, so far, positive reviews and a lot less likely it gets hacked. So, but it's been a big learning curve. So I'm, I'm making some cool things and I'm watching YouTube videos, but um, you know, every time you use a new program and stuff, even though Webflow is supposed to be easier, than like programming of like, you know, coding a website, obviously that would be really hard, but um, it's still a lot to learn and lots of little things and I enjoy it. But at the same time, I spent way too many hours doing it. So um, yeah, all I can say with that is uh, it is costing me a good chunk of money extra this year that I hadn't planned for because I had already paid for the WordPress site and all that stuff and hosting and all these things. And then all of a sudden I have Webflow in there too. So if you do like the podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. You can do that at patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. Or you could also go through PayPal and search bikepackadventures and make a nice, kindly one-time donation, which really, really helps out a lot. Um, yeah, I'm going to jump right into this episode. I'm very excited to have uh, Matt Katie back on the podcast. And in this episode, we talk about the great northern bikepacking route. So um, Matt had previously been on the podcast in January 2022. So I would highly encourage you to skip back to episode 122 uh, if you haven't yet listened to it. So you could know more about him, his motivations, all those fun things. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's so involved in the bike community here in Ontario, in eastern Canada, I should say. Um, but, um, yeah, you can find all that out in episode 122. And in that episode, we talk, uh, uh, we really focus on bikepacking Ontario and his motivations towards route development and creation. In this episode, we mostly focus on the GNBR, the Great Northern Bikepacking Route, which, uh, once it's completely tested and finalized, will most likely be the world's longest bikepacking route unless somebody else comes out with a different one. Coming in at nearly... 15,000 kilometers. So really long. Um, definitely small chance that anybody ever completes it in one go in the sense that I mean, like decides to start to finish. Uh, it would take you like, I think the average rider, it would take them like four to six months. So maybe, maybe somebody between our Canadian winter, autumn and winter 
spring. Uh, <laughs> in our six months where it's not frozen, no, it's it's actually not that far off. Somebody might get out there and decide to ride the whole thing. Certainly won't be me unless I bring Jasmine along for the ride and my dog. But uh, that could be a fun adventure, maybe in a few years. Either way, um, without getting into too many specifics about the the route in the intro here, because Matt's going to tell us all about it, I will skip right to our conversation. So, Matt, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast again. Anyways, yeah, man, welcome back to the podcast. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, round two. Uh, how have things been? Uh, pretty good. Pretty busy. Had a another, I guess, pretty successful BT 700. How many people at the start line this year? I think it was like 85. Maybe. Okay. And did you have some of the cycling clubs, clubs coming out again or? Oh yeah. 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 A bunch of day riders and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah the atmosphere was awesome and we got lucked out with like, you know, the perfect, perfect weather in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The weather was really nice. Um, I was not riding that weekend. Um, <laughs> unfortunately um did i ride no i did i did a 250k ride so just a short ride you know right. <laughs> <laughs> um so you just kind of came back from the west coast um actually first let's talk about the the bt 700 how have things changed since uh last year when i did it i know you've made a few more modifications and and you have a new I, i'm not sure what the names of the routes are anymore so how it's changed tell us well, the change, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a route that's always evolving uh, in Ontario, but uh, I think I finally have it nailed down where, like, if it didn't change anymore, I'd be totally happy. Okay. Unless, like, unless someone builds, like, you know, you know, we both like it, but if someone builds, like, you know, three kilometers of flow trail somewhere on yeah. it, but that's not going to happen probably. So, yeah, I have it finally kind of after six years where where I definitely want it. Um, and then what I decided to do was because, uh, just of all the changes I made over the years, I thought I'd decide to make like a BT 700 XL. Okay. Toss in all, all like, like the really, really challenging, some of the really challenging parts I've taken out. Mm. Um, and also added in a bunch of, uh, single track options in some of the trail systems that are, you know, probably a little too much for the average person on bikepacking, but people who are going out for the XL maybe are kind of looking for that. Yeah, I definitely noticed it last year um, where, where I lost my phone, basically. And all of a sudden, I was like, what are these trails? These things are rough. And and I think it's the Bruce Trail, but it was quite far north. It was a new section that you had to add it in. And I thought to myself at the time, man, I'm, I think there's going to be some miserable people coming behind me the, the tomorrow, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, yeah, I know that section, that section's not in the regular route anymore, but it is like in the XL. Okay. But, uh, and for people like the, the guys, you know, Kyle Messier and Theo, where they were doing the XL this year, is that the, that's the, no, they, no, they were doing the regular route. Okay. Kind of just to make it like a fastest known time kind yeah. of on, on the regular route. Okay. So Brooke did like amazing last year to hit the fastest known time with some of those sections in there. Huh? Yeah, and like that one hike, the hike a bike I put in by accident. I re <laughs> I had a, a, a wrong routing, like I forgot to change it or whatever. So yeah. that was like that had to be about a half an hour section. But uh, yeah, I still think his time last year, even though route the route was slightly shorter, but it rode longer. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think his time was exceptional, and it, I mean that was like his proving ground because he did incredible on the Tour de Divide this year. I think he did like a top twenty finish. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and yeah. and like just really cool too. Like he made all his own gear, and yeah, he's, um, I was just I'm blown away, man. And he's actually been messaging me asking about the Canadian Shield because like I think he saw that Vincent was riding it, and then he's thinking, hmm, maybe. <laughs> so I told him, I said, if you come, just let me know. You can park here at my house. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny, like he, I think he got his start on kind of one of my routes, the the, the Grand Myth Ramble, the GNR, yeah. like several years ago. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brooke can speak to it, but I'm not sure he kind of knew what he was doing. <laughs> right. I mean, we all start and we build on it and he's obviously done an incredible job of just uh, nailing what he needs to do um, to get around roots pretty fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, 
And I was really surprised too to see that uh, Kyle, he was on his full suspension bike and he also won the races here. And that's like two years in a row where full suspension bikes are topping things. And Yeah, I love to see that because it just kind of proves people keep bug- like saying, you know, skinnier tires, faster, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it proves like on routes where there's uh, varied terrain that um, it's more kind of advantageous sometimes yeah. to, to have like a little more comfort and be able to like get through the harder sections a little easier and then i mean the speed difference on like the the straightaway gravel stuff and the rail trails i mean how much is that probably not that much yeah it might be like maybe a kilometer an hour you know but i think like just that what you make up in the trails especially for like your route or the canadian shield um you know i think it's a little bit of suspension goes a long way. I'm actually waiting on some new front forks because I'm putting suspension on my bike. Um, just because I'm getting old, man, right? My wrists start to ache after a long day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I put like the uh, the redshift suspension. The stem, the, yeah? The stem and the seat post. Okay. So um, I did that before I went out to BC uh, to ride just to give a little extra comfort. Um, and huge. How'd you find it? Yeah, awesome. I mean, now the more that I ride them, I don't notice as much. Yeah. But I could guarantee if I took them off, I'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, when I was building up my my uh, rigid hardtail last year, I had put my suspension stem on it while I was waiting for one to figure out what size I needed and stuff. And I took it off my gravel bike. And then I went for a gravel ride and I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> like crazy. Very, very different. Noticeable. Like, But um. Yeah, I think actually, I think the the redshift suspension stem is responsible for me losing my phone a couple times because uh, <laughs> uh, because it bounces and then the phone the weight of the phone as you hit a bump it squashes down a bit more and so I've had my phone bounce off three times now. Once when first time that happened was on the VT and I lost it. The other two times, I mean, it's been okay, but two weeks ago when it happened, uh, my phone worked for about five days and then it died. Um, the screen died three days after the warranty ran out. So I was like, Oh no, I mean, I had extended warranty, so it was okay, but yeah, it pretty much sucked. And that's on the quad lock as well, right? That's on the quad lock. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised it happened. Um, quad lock didn't believe me. And I was like, well, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm just not going to use it anymore when I'm on anything rough, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. Anyways. Um, yeah, so tell me why uh, what, I've seen your post that next year there won't be a grand apart. What's going on? Are yeah, you going I just to- have some, I mean, it's a massive commitment in June. Yeah. Um, and I have some ideas of maybe other things I'd like to do as well, personally. Tour divide? No, I don't actually have <laughs> that on my, <laughs> on my hit list at the moment. Um I don't like to eat shit food for that long. Dave, David Tuttle was the one predicting that. He was like, he was sitting yeah. here after the summit and he was like, I think, I think Matt's going to go do the tour divide. He's, <laughs> he's announced no grand apart next year. I'm sure he's going to the tour divide. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I mean, I guess it's various reasons. I just want to uh, rethink what I want with that grand apart as well. And that, the problem is now is doing the grand apart and seeing all people, all the stories and everything, it's like we were talking and it was like, I don't even know if I can actually give that up because it's such a part of that community now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, give it a few months and probably I could be persuaded otherwise. <laughs> yeah, you, you, might a, a, you might be able to, you might be able to, you might be able to find somebody to, to take over the reins for a year just as like a step in and say, hey, like, would you be able, like, I can pass on the information to you. Would you be willing to take over the reins and handle it for a year? And, so I can reevaluate my own feelings and, you know, see how you feel, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I do it, but I'm not coming all the way down there to do it. Tired of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, People are like, Oh, you must be tired of everything. It's no, it's not that I don't enjoy it and everything. It's just, uh, um, if I commit to that at that time every year, then, um, there's really nothing else I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have your, you know, your no winter maintenance two weeks before that. And, and so it's like the whole month is gone, right? It feels that way. And I feel like you want to be at the (laughs) summit next year. So you got to give something up. (laughs) I do regret not going to that. So that's, uh, and I just, to do those three things in a row, I think it would just totally be a bike packing burnout. 
Yeah. I think it would have been, yeah. I mean, like, my life is bikepacking. It can't be just bikepacking. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's where I was after the summit. I was just like, I was dead. Like, and I still had to do report cards and so much stuff at work. And I was absolutely like, yeah, I was dead. I was, right. took a couple of weeks just to recover and like get moving again, you know? Yeah. And I was contemplating like coming out and then I was just thinking, oh, you know, I just, I don't think it's going to work out like mentally and kind of physically Mm -hmm. to do all that. So yeah, I mean, if things get moved around, then I got to come out for that for sure next year. Um, So let's talk about the GNBR. Is that what it is? GNBR? Yeah. Great Northern Bikepacking Route. And. Not north if you live in Yukon, but that's no, that's you know, right. It's it's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> the, they'll call it the Great Southern Bikepacking Route. <laughs> um, so yeah, what uh, what prompted this uh, idea, this vision, um, to make this bikepacking route across Canada? I think I was always curious if it could be done, and I like those challenges, especially when it comes to route development. And I was seeing more routes across the country. So there was potential to link some of those up. And I think I just was like, also thinking to myself, like, okay, we have this incredible terrain for something like this, but all the times I hear about the cross country Canada cycling, it doesn't sound, I mean, you've had people on with great stories about that, but it's never something that actually resonated with me or sounded Mm -hmm. that interesting. Um, just too much like like highway riding and you know maybe rail trails for a little too long mm-hmm. and nothing really that kind of creative or I mean maybe that's being harsh but uh, I was like well if I wanted to cycle across Canada what kind of route would I want so yeah, I'm yeah. Like, well let me see if I can actually put this together and then also I was like I wanted to kind of go out west in the spring and then in the winter, when I had some downtime, I was plotting something starting in Victoria. And then I realized that you could easily get across British Columbia with like kind of on the on the existing routes and stuff like that. And then someone had a route on the Bikepack Canada website that basically went across Alberta through the prairies. Because mm. I was like, I don't know what to do there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he already kind of had a route. And like that kind of was like, when I saw all that piece together, I'm like, oh, this can happen, like for sure. Um, and then I was just like slowly putting together roots. Yeah. And and I know like you reached out to me and you're like, I have the idea of using this part of a route and like this one and like kind of just stitching things together. Um, and it was really cool to be like, you know, although I don't feel like I ever gave you that much advice or anything, I think you had it all under, under you, you know, you were all pretty good on it. Um, but I did enjoy the aspect that I could kind of see this thing growing through uh, the occasional emails you sent me. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's really cool. Um, don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so where it stands now, it's about 14, it's probably like 14,000 kilometers from coast to coast. Uh, it's not, I don't pretend that it's completely done now. It mm-hmm. needs a lot, like it needs a lot of testing. This yeah. is a pretty complex route. This is not, you know, just highway riding and uh, Trans-Canada Rail Trail stuff like that. So um, there's a lot of nuances in on that. So it's a true adventure. Like it'll be one of the biggest adventure bike routes for sure in the world, without a doubt, when it's all done. Um, But this season, I have a lot of people who are eager to go test out sections. Um, I've had people who say they're going to do it and they don't do it, which, (laughs) you know, everybody gets busy. so I don't know. I mean, I'm keeping track of what gets scouted and I, I'm curious at, you know, by November or something to see what percentage mm-hmm. it's actually being fully checked. Uh, some, some sections don't need it. I mean, it's fully being done. I mean, I use a big, a uh, lot of trails in BC that are on the air. Um, they are 700. Route. Okay. So, I mean, there's an event and everybody's going to be riding those trails. So it's not like, somebody has to go out and try those trails because they've been, they've been, uh, Mm -hmm. already done. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff in like Quebec and the out East that kind of needs, you know, some tires on the ground. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I know, I know that, uh, I think his name is Etienne, um, who made the trans Quebec, what Mm -hmm. do you call it? 
I forget the official name, but um, I know he had the same thing. He had made this route and then he was like, who can go out and test sections, you know, because it's 3,700 kilometers. It's a long route to get out to like, you know, you can't just get out there and ride and explore yourself in in one summer and figure that out. Like, I mean, unless you quit your job or you were a teacher, maybe um, it's difficult, right? So you need to, and I, I guess that's a big jump for you too, right? Because you've been really focused on Southern Ontario and you've got lots of amazing routes there that you've ridden. And, and then all of a sudden now you're like, okay, I need help. Like I can't do this on my own, you know, like to make sure it's official and working and functions. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, wouldn't want anyone to wait until I did it all because it would be like, you know, so it could be 10 years before this route is done and it doesn't need to wait that long. Um, but I know there's all sorts of just so many little nuances. Like, for example, in Quebec, I use a section of your Canadian Shield mm-hmm. in there. And then I was looking on your route and you have a section where I think you say uh, these cross-country ski trails are probably really overgrown <laughs> or i mean i like rode that. it and i had to push a bit because the the yeah. rocks were like the size of a baby head you know i hate so that in my head i'm thinking well somebody has you know two thousand over two thousand kilometers to go in quebec maybe i'll just you know <laughs> but there's the easy workaround route. by yeah. just staying on trail eight and then three yeah or whatever yeah. i can i can yeah. yeah check it so you don't sure. have to take that cross-country ski trail yeah yeah so, I mean, I, I'm guilty of micromanaging everything, mm-hmm. but I think maybe a lot of riders will benefit from that instead of just putting something up and forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like in an area where it's like, oh, that doesn't go through. And now I'm 50 kilometers in. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you went out west. Um, your plan was to go out west and do some riding. So you, the idea of making this trail kind of all came together. How far did you ride? What did you do this year? Uh, I got from Victoria to Kelowna. So I think about, I think that's like 1,200 kilometers or so. Uh, it was good for me to go out there because <laughs> of the entire route, that was one of the areas I did that needed the most like uh, testing out okay, and scouting. And I felt like I really needed to do that. Like I needed to see what these trails were like and some of these uh, logging roads and things like that. Um, I don't think it probably would have worked out quite as well if I just sent someone else out there, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I had an awesome time. And like the, just that, I mean, the route starts amazing. Like it's, there's so many amazing things on that section of the route, like different type of riding from, you know, amazing gravel roads to excellent kind of single track uh, to some pretty, I mean, some pretty crazy inclines for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's British Columbia. I mean, it, yeah. you shouldn't be going out there to ride flat, flat stuff all day. Um, but yeah, I left with leaving home after doing that section pretty, pretty stoked for the route as a whole of what it can be. Um, and a, just a reimagining what like a cross kind of a cross country route can be. Yeah, I had somebody on the podcast not too long ago, and they rode the TCT basically across Canada um, with some minor deviations and stuff. But they, I think they hit about 15,000 kilometers when they reached uh, Newfoundland. But like everybody has said, TCT is not a biking trail. You know, it's not it's not even a hiking trail half the time. It's just random roads that the, somebody in the government or something has just plotted together. I don't know. Maybe it was an intern summer project. Uh, I'm not 100% odd, sure. It's an odd thing because I was, even when I was plotting the route, I'm like, I was looking at the TCT and things like Manitoba. I'm like, I don't think this exists. Like, did anyone actually look at this? Like, there's nothing there. There was like no cycling act. There's like, I don't know what it is. Nothing on like, Strava. Probably nobody's ever been there. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, that's, uh, I could, I just can imagine people from like Europe or whatever. Oh my God, Trans Canada Trail. I can't wait to come over and do it. And I don't know what they what trouble they get into on that. And then they're just walking for a thousand kilometers along the side of a highway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a thing, right? Like, especially if in northern Ontario, you know, the TCT follows Highway 17, and like, how lame is that? Like, that's just, you know, it's, it's really. It'd be amazing if the government would actually make a trail that could be, you know, the TCT slash biking across Canada trail, hiking, walking, everything, like just not on the highway because there's nothing, right? Yeah. Should we, should we actually talk about that, that oh, yeah. section of the route? Sure. <laughs> the controversial part of it. Uh, so it's not like a true, the GNBR is not a true cross Canada because um, to avoid the hell that is Northwestern Ontario, mm-hmm. but 
unfortunately one of the most beautiful parts of Ontario, but multi-day ride on the main highway, which is fun to no one. Um, I think you had uh, the DJ on the other day. That yeah, job big. Yeah. yeah, he always. I think he's gone through there twice, maybe or something. But he always says like horrible. <laughs> like yeah. he, nothing he says is good about that section. Um, so yeah, after uh, past Winnipeg, after Manitoba, I take it into the U.S. So I go through Minnesota, Wisconsin, down through Duluth and stuff, right? Yeah, and then into Michigan, and then I pop back out at Sault Ste. Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Um, so I trade in the horrible, no one wants to do it, but they just do it because it's part of Canada. Say. Yeah. Uh, Trans Canada highway uh, for a lot more kind of like, you know, really nice bikepacking kind of riding, like more of forestry roads, single track trails, um, and some, you know, quieter paved sections. Uh, so that's, I mean, it, it's pretty long. It takes, it's an ad, ads like, well, it doesn't add, but the whole US section is probably like 1500 kilometers. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. It has yeah. to be significant. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's hard for people to imagine how big Lake Superior is, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's huge. It's really <laughs> huge. And pretty much you're just kind of going around Lake Superior plus a little bit. Um, that's, and, and Lake, yeah, no, Superior Michigan's down, right? So, yeah, it's massive. Um, I've been to the Sioux many times. My parents lived out that way for a while. So, um, yeah, how was it to get people involved on that side of the the border, you know, to, to find people to, to get advice from? And uh, It wasn't too bad. I know Michigan has a very vibrant bikepacking community. Um, I think they just have a lot of good terrain for it. Uh, and the other good thing was, um, have you heard of the organization Bikepacking Roots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have a route called the uh, Northwoods route. I think that's what it's called. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it runs from a good section of what I was in that area, like Duluth over to to, uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, So I would say, like, I could just plug in. With their permission, I could plug in, like, I think it was, like, probably 700 kilometers or something like that. And I know that's kind of being vetted. Uh, so that helped a lot. Like that would have, that would save me a ton of time. Trying yeah. To figure it out. Um, but there's definitely some other areas um, that need some some uh, testing out in that. Uh, there's not a lot of data for uh, when you come out of Manitoba, mm-hmm. like that part of Minnesota. Um, doesn't quite have like I guess a lot of people just haven't gone in that area. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody from Minnesota. I could shoot him a message and. Uh... See if he's been ever up that way, or and he knows anybody. Uh, he was on the podcast, Carl Curl. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I know he's. I think he's from Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the more people I can bribe, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I wish I could offer everyone money for going out and trying things, but uh, but there are a lot of people that are just happy to like you know go out and explore and be part of this project, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Yeah, and um, so jumping back to uh, the West Coast when you were riding there, did you did you did things go work kind of work out well, or did you have to make some changes on the fly? And did you bring yeah, technology def- with you to do this, or how did you plan all yeah, that? Yeah, definitely the latter. There were a lot of like changes to make on the fly, but nothing like crazy. And then, I mean, I mean, I liked it with the weather. It was sunny most days, um, and I think most things worked out like for the better. Like any changes I made, I'm like, well, that. It's way better than so, what well, what I had before, so mm-hmm. it's not like it wasn't a lot of not compromise. Uh, one thing I learned is that BC trails are not like Ontario trails, so even like the green and green ones could be like our black ones. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. So a few of those, I was like, oh, I know that's just too much for like a long distance bike packing route. I mean, it's. Um, I remember I was I think on the Sunshine Coast and I was really eager to see this beautiful waterfall, but. The trails to get to it were total techy, like really rooty and rocky. Mm. Um, so I can't really, I had to just make that kind of like a, an alternative, like, you know, a point of interest if someone really wanted yeah. to see it. Um, so things like that. Uh, but yeah, it was just, yeah, it was like a trip that just seemed to like work out really well. And, and I was able to like get an amazing route plotted just for that section. Oh, that's nice. And, um, yeah, so you were mentioning New New Brunswick. I think uh, I also like when I remember when I was playing around with route development and stuff, and just trying to look around at gravel roads and stuff. And man, New Brunswick's a tough one. 
uh, it doesn't yeah, seem to have that many options from what I noticed. Yeah. And they're not a lot of data either. Like just, um, I don't think there's like a huge bike pack or like long distance community in that mm. place yesterday. So that, uh, province yet. Um, uh, so I, I've struggled to get a lot of information. They've had a couple riders definitely give me some good advice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, still to determine some of the like the forestry roads out there like which ones are the better ones to use um but you have to be on some more pavement i think in that province than some other ones but it's so in some areas it's so not population dense mm-hmm. that uh, even if you're on a piece of pavement for 50 kilometers some of the ones I've looked at on satellite, like I'm, I'm positive. There's not much traffic <laughs> yeah. going to be on that road. There's just, it doesn't connect to major cities and there's not a lot of people out there. It's probably only um, paved because they're like, the, they have money from the federal government. They're like, well, we don't need to pave more roads, but we'll <laughs> exactly. pave this anyways. <laughs> yeah. And some of the riding around the Bay of Fundy looks really, really nice. And I know that the park player. there, they, they built some trails for biking. So that's, that's, that's really nice. In uh, in Fundy, like National Park, or yeah, there's actually some mountain bike trails in the oh, National nice. Park. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. So again, it's just a matter of getting people to give me an idea of which ones are a little more kind of nicer and more gentle, kind of for the bike packing side of things. But uh, so yeah, I was happy to see those. So how's the plan going forward? Like, I mean, obviously you need to get as many people as you can out there to just ride and verify and kind of bring feedback back to you. Um, I mean, you've officially, the route is announced. It's got its own website. Um, yeah. What's, uh, what's, what's the plan? Yeah. Uh, so the reason, Chris, I put all that stuff out there was just because to get people excited to, yeah, about the route and to try that makes things. Sense. Because if, it's, if I just put out like a ride with GPS thing, then people are like, what is this? Like this guy just wants to go ride across Canada. And <laughs> yeah, no, but it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've joined pretty much every Facebook group that's bikepacking on any of the the provinces or states and, like, been posting, like, you know, I really, uh, I'm looking for riders to help out with different things. Um, some people, I mean, we all have a strength. Some people are better at scouting than others. You know, I've had people go do sections and they don't remember anything <laughs> or what oh, yeah. was like they're like oh there was this one section that didn't work and i'm like uh where was where it, was it? <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't work um some people are really amazing at it uh so it'll just what i need to see is like okay at this end of the season is to get a percentage of what is done and then um that i mean maybe that'll give me an idea too is what next year i need to kind of go out mm-hmm. and also do it on my own um, I am thinking about maybe maybe going. I would think about going maybe out east for a couple of weeks this summer. Oh, okay. Do um, some maybe something in like Nova Scotia or something where uh, it would be maybe good for me to see it. Um, Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chickshocks Fat Bike, the Canadian Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to PanoramaCycles.com. Now back to the show. Do you envision a grand depart? <laughs> uh, a grand depart for this route would be uh, whoever gets the furthest <laughs> is the winner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think it would be. Uh, it wouldn't work because it would be just like it'd be so long. Like, oh, so know. long. You'd have yeah. okay. I mean, you'd have I racers could... that maybe do it in like a month and a half or something. And uh, no, I don't think you could do it in a month and a half. It'd no, be... you'd burn yourself out. You probably yeah. need more time. You can't do a route this long at bike packing pace because you can't, you have to sleep 
like mm-hmm. fairly regularly. And it's not it's not the tour to divide, right? That's how many kilometers is that one? Four thousand. Yeah. Somebody flushed a toilet. Uh, yeah, it's something like four thousand four hundred. Yeah. So if you add like yeah. nine thousand or whatever kilometers to that, it's <laughs> you need you need to go Tri- like triple the distance, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think you would need to go. I mean, people are going to do it. You know, there's going to be crazy European guys that are come over <laughs> and do it for sure. Like, oh my god, like you know, the chance to bike pack across the wilds of Canada. Um, I think so. I, I think I think you'll be surprised. I think before you know it, somebody will ride the whole thing and go for it. But I, yeah, like you said, it's definitely not a, you know, people race the Tour Divide and finish in, you know, 14 to 20 days. But most people aren't going to be able to finish this in 60 days because you need to pack more. You need to sleep more. You can't you can't ride every day and just sleep two hours, you know. Oh. Yeah, I think people, the fastest will be like a, I would say like a fast touring pace. Like if you did, like if you're pretty good and you can do 200 kilometers a day. I maybe? think 200 is reasonable for. Yeah. With a couple, you have to take rest days probably, I'm assuming, um, here and there for sure. I do because I'm old, but yeah. yeah. yeah anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not meant to be a racing route. It's just. Good. Yeah. And it's also a route that I'd hope people do segments of. Like, okay, I want to cycle. Just, you know, I want to cycle the whole portion across Quebec. And that would be like an epic, total, incredible adventure yeah. on its own. Or um, I would think if you did Victoria to Banff in BC, mm-hmm. that that is shaping up to be oh, such an incredible ride. Like I would actually consider if that gets all fine-tuned and everything, um, that I could see being some sort of like grand apart event yeah, a race kind of thing like a race across bc yeah or or across bc because that would be that would be amazing that would be really really great ride you could break it by regions you could have like bc you have uh the prairies the u.s portion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i mean some people some places are logistically more challenging than others yeah to go from point a to point b um that's yeah, true too yeah like Imagine trying to go across Ontario, Quebec, and you're like, okay, I got to get to Sault Ste. Marie. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah. But I thought like, you know, even myself, I would think like, okay, you could fly to Winnipeg and then you could ride the route to home or like for me, that's true, Toronto. Yeah. So you could ride Winnipeg to like by Toronto. And then like, that's logistically not that hard mm-hmm. to just fly into one and fly. Yeah. And somebody else might choose to go Ottawa to Quebec city or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or Ottawa to like uh, somewhere like Charlottetown or something in PEI. And then like, you can figure out how to, to get to the start and finish of each of one of those yeah. ones. Has there been any negativity from anybody, you know, um, you know, like when you're wanting to use a piece of a route or something? Uh, no, everybody's no. been really, really nice about it. I just uh, the community is pretty welcoming, um, as long as you give credit. And I'm still working on all that kind of stuff on the website. Uh, the only negativity is people. I don't. Uh, how do I say this properly and politically? Don't correct? say it properly and politically. <laughs> just, just let it out. <laughs> all right. Some people just don't get, don't get it. Like what. I'm trying to do and what we're all trying to do, like the bike packing adventure kind of riding. Yeah. Um, for example, I reached out to someone on, uh, you know, Manitoulin Island, which is the yeah. largest freshwater island in the world, I believe. It is. So the route, the route goes through some of that, you know, coming down to get to Tobermory you know, and uh, from no yeah. Tobermory to wherever it's called on Manitoulin. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to, there's a Manitoulin cycling association or something called that. And I'm like, well, I have this route plotted through Manitoulin Island. I think it's okay, but I need, you know, some uh, feedback or maybe someone on the island there who's with the organization would actually just go ride ride it. It's not that long. It's like a hundred and something kilometers yeah. or something like that. And they just could not believe like, oh, this is not navigable. It's like, you need to, you should do this. Her first suggestion was like, take Highway 6, which is the main highway all the way down, which is the fastest way to the ferry over to Tobomori. She's like, well, it has a great shoulder. And then she gave me a second suggestion, which was all paved. And like Manitoulin Island has some nice gravel roads. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. She just didn't understand, I don't think, what we're trying to get at here is like, 
Yeah. Um, and for anybody that's listening and wondering about Manitoulin Island, like it is, it's huge. It's got to be close to 200 some kilometers long, you know, like it's, it's a really big island. Um, yeah. It's not yeah. small. It's, it's no. huge. I mean, I could use more of the island, but it'd be really sending riders like way off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Just, like going up to Gourbet for loop. just for the yeah. heck of it. <laughs> Bridal Veil Falls. My my dad goes sailing in the North Channel a lot, so that's just like just above Nantulan Island. It's in the part that it break cuts off from the from Lake uh, Huron. Um so yeah, so I've been up there. Lots. Nice area. Yeah. I've never actually been to Manitoulin Island, so it's still on my to do list. No, you just have to ride north from your house there to Tobemori and then take the ferry, you'll be there. No yeah. time. <laughs> For your four days. I actually wanted to be that long. <laughs> Just do the BT seven hundred and take a left turn at uh, when you get far enough north. <laughs> yeah, I could get there in three days, I think. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so it seems like it's it's a really it's a beautiful project. I think it's uh, it's neat to see something like that in our own backyard because you know you see um, bikepacking dot com and bikepacking routes and they they have these the great Eastern divide and, you know, they're building these routes and people are out there testing them. And then you kind of thinking like, Oh, what's going on in Canada, you know? And it, it's really cool to see you take this initiative to, to just say, you know what, I'll start it and then we'll see how it goes, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's funny you brought that up because you could technically start in Victoria and finish in Key West. If you took, you, started, you could, you yeah. Up. Yeah. Oh man, what a ride, eh? And you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily well, you would it would be awesome. You'd have to go to the Newfoundland part and then turn around and cycle back, but it would be totally <laughs> worth it. No, you just I mean you cut over at Maine. Ah uh, no, you can't miss Newfoundland. Oh god. <laughs> a thousand kilometers on rail grade in Newfoundland. <laughs> so is the uh I, I haven't looked in a while. I mean you use the T railway section, right? As the yeah, yeah, that's that's I think that that's the only real way to get across mm -hmm. like uh uh, wherever the ferry terminal is from Nova Scotia to St. John's. Yeah. Um, if I was, I'm not exactly sure if it's something I would do because I just, I'm not, I don't do a lot of like long distance on like rougher rail grade. Mm -hmm. I just also, I don't have a, the bike that's really great. Yeah. I that. feel like you really have to have a plus bike, you know, like yeah, you need, you need yeah. to have at least, you got a 2.6, maybe even bigger to be comfortable. Yeah. So it's almost like I want to say the alternative finish for the route is like in uh North Sydney, Nova Scotia, in case you're not going to go to mm -hmm. kind of like the Newfoundland part. I mean, I'm sure it's beautiful. Do you feel like the Newfoundland part is probably the roughest part? Like the, uh, just in terms of like general rough trail? Uh, hard for me to say, but uh, everything I hear is like, if you don't have the right setup for that section of Newfoundland, you're going to really mm -hmm. get beat up over yeah. several days. So, and but I saw you, and I, I think you deviated off it on the route I had on the bike pack adventures. It was from a guy from Newfoundland, right? Um, yeah, I talked to him, and I was like, "Well, why don't I just add that in?" Because that's awesome. Yeah, and he's made it sound so great. So yeah, they could decide. Actually, that's the that was the one section of Newfoundland I would be most interested in doing. Yeah, because it goes through like Grossmorn. Yeah, um, and it has more of like the non rail grade kind of mm -hmm. uh, section. So um, I'm like, well, why don't I just tack that on? Because if someone's in that area. Or if they, even if they want to just do Newfoundland, then they have like the two options, right? Yeah, and it makes a really cool end to end, you know, because you don't you're not just on the railway the whole way. You you cut off right. it and you go and have some fun and yeah, yeah and then and come back through, for a little bit more misery. <laughs> yeah, and I've been through Gross Morn and that's a that's a stunning have you stunning area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Any uh, any big biking plans this summer? Or? Uh, nothing. Uh, yeah, nothing solid at the moment. Um, my partner is still kind of like been battling her body for the last three years. So we're slowly just building her up. So I think we'll do some, uh, start with a couple overnighters and start okay. trying to get back to, back to kind of a multi-day bike packing, hopefully at some point, but nothing like, you know, too crazy or whatever. Um, we won't be, you know, going back to the Colombian Andes this winter. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. Um, but she's making some progress. So that's, well, that's good. good. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I know, I remember a few times we've talked, um, that's always been a, something that comes up. So 
Um, yeah. So what else can we talk about uh, the Great Northern Bikepacking Route? I, don't, I feel like there's so long that it's hard to like dive into anything in specific. So it's all kind of generalized. Let's just talk, I guess, in general, the route. You said, um, you know, leaving Victoria, it's a pretty, it's a combination of uh, various trails and routes that get you towards uh, Canmore. Yeah, it's got everything from uh, forestry roads. Uh, the, what they use out there is FSRs. Forest Service roads. Yeah. Um, a lot of those are amazing. Which are great because they have campsites everywhere on them. Yeah, they have yeah. the rec sites, which yeah. are free or super cheap. Yeah. Like I couldn't believe how much less expensive camping was in British Columbia. Than it's Ontario. insane. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember when I was cycling north, there was, yeah, they were free. You just went in and, and they were usually like, they had already put up logs and stuff and made a flat area for tents and they had poles on the trees that you could hang your food from. It was like so, so thought out, you know? Yeah. And someone said, they tried a campground on one of my routes in Ontario and with tax, it was going to be $80. <laughs> That's insane. And it's, I had a really beautiful provincial park at him on uh, Vancouver Island for like $20. I was like, that's perfectly acceptable to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the pro- that's the problem in, in Ontario is, you know, when you have 15 million people or more now, maybe that's, you know, it's, it's hard to have good prices for camping and, and they don't seem to care that somebody on a bike is taking very little space. Yeah. And uh, you were mentioning like uh, what it uses in Vancouver uh, and BC. One of the highlights is the Sea to Sky Trail, uh, wow. which is actually a bikepacking.com route, um, which was developed by Miles Arbor. And he said, yeah, for sure. I could, I could p- plug that into the route, which was great. Um, so it's a trail. It's mostly trail that runs from Squamish to Pemberton. Okay. And that is, uh, it's most, I mean, there's a little bit of hike bike section, but almost all the rest is like really high flow kind of like single track. Oh, nice. Through like just magnificent scenery and, uh, like lots of wildlife. You're, you're almost guaranteed to see some bears, um, some really big waterfalls, like mountain views, um, I probably should have done that in an entire day. It would probably be more fun in two days. Oh, did you crush it in a day? Yeah, I was like, I was pretty, I was pretty toast by the end of, by the end of that. But because uh, it's got to be like, hundred kilometers, hundred more. Like, uh, yeah, I think from Squamish to just before Pemberton, where I camped, it was one twenty. Okay, but of that hundred twenty, I was probably like eighty kilometers of like single track. Oh wow, and not flat either. So it was pretty slow, yeah. pretty slow going. What kind of bike were you riding when you were out there? Uh, I guess what you would call like a monster cross. So drop bar, but with like 650Bs times 2.1. Okay. Uh, Mostly it was good, but I was underbiked in some parts. Like it's a route for sure that you could handle something like uh, 2.35s or even fatter. People would probably be happy on even 3.0s. I would would not recommend BC on like a standard gravel bike with like – 700 by like 38s or whatever. I think you just get beat. Yeah, if you're a cycle cross, you kill yourself. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, Uh, I I think typically like on a route like that, you're going to want to say, you know, yeah, you could ride it with whatever bike you have, but you're going to want to go as, you know, as big a tire as you can for the most part. I mean, not a, not necessarily a fat bike, but, you know, if you got a plus bike, you might want to get up to that 2.8, three inch mark. And if you have a, a normal mountain bike you want to try to get 2.25s on there and if you got a gravel bike that can take you know 55s put 55s on. yeah don't go <laughs> less is not more <laughs> for for something like yeah that. and i mean i learned it the hard way when i did the butter type my first time on the gravel bike and i had 44s and it chewed me up and spit me out i mean i, I did well i achieved what i wanted to achieve but man i was hurting for my lower back was killing me for a week because it's just so much impact, you know? Yeah. And those, yeah, that setup doesn't absorb it as well. But and I didn't have a shock stop seat post at the time. So, cause I also have one now on my bike and it definitely, definitely, oh, it's, it it's great. Yeah. yeah. But the nice thing about British Columbia is that they have an extremely active, as you know, like bike packing community there. Yeah. Like touring community there. So people are always giving me suggestions for like route improvements. I can't believe how many options there are. So even just like this week, I've been working with like, including some more like riding past Kelowna through these other, like taking it a different way through like valleys and mm. different forest service roads. And uh, um, and someone posted on the Bike Pack Canada website, something called the uh, Great uh, Great Granby route. 
And I saw that, I'm like, oh, I got to talk, reach out to them and see, you know, what they liked about that. And um, so that's been another source. And now I'm like, oh, I got to re-envision the whole, the, the route past uh, in this one area. Um, Heading from Kelowna towards like east? Uh, yeah, towards Nelson. Yeah. That whole area. Um, but what it's looking, coming together right now is looking really, really amazing. But uh, and the I nice think- thing about the route is also I'm going to give alternatives. Yeah. So if there's a section that's longer or harder, I'll just put something in the root kind file. That, like you did on the BT, right? Like there's lots of yeah. like, if you want to cut a little bit of time off, you can head south here and that'll take you to this junction and then you can jump right back in the route. Like little options, right? Yeah. So I want to make segments of the the GNBR like more approachable to more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Like I'm going to plot what I, overall I think is the most awesome uh, options. But I know like for some people that's just not, going to be the best option yeah and sometimes simplicity might be key as well like not to say simplicity like a paved road but you know not overdoing it because like you said if you want people to ride long they can't be destroyed bodily wise you know like they need to be able to it needs to be able to they could ride and recover every day somewhat and be able to ride again the next day yeah and we're i mean none of us are immune to it i remember like i was riding on one section on the sunshine coast and i had it plotted up like a like a dusty kind of gravel big climb into like uh, where they do a lot of logging and stuff i was like well it's an off-road route <laughs> i should plot through this area but i got to it and i looked and it was just like there's like a logging truck came in down dust was everywhere mm-hmm. it was like 30 degrees and i'm like i'm gonna just take this highway uh the paved road and see what it's like and it was like beautiful paved road it was only you know like maybe 10 kilometers very little traffic because the only traffic goes to it is to the ferry terminal. There's yeah, it no might be only on weekends or something, really. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm glad I saw that because, like, if I don't want to do that, then why would anyone else? Really? Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was like a route change I made. I was like, why not just take it on this nice piece of highway? I mean, you're not going to miss that much, and you have to look at the big picture as well. I mean sending people up this like dusty logging road for no really great reason where the views might not be that great um, versus, you know, a nice piece of tarmac for yeah. a little while. I mean, you're not really losing out. I always thought it'd be really cool up going north in BC is um, like, I'm sure there's got to be trails that follow the old telegraph trail, you know, like, cause there used to be the, the, the telegraph stations or whatever going towards Yukon. And I'm sure there was a, some kind of cattle cart trail or whatever, but I don't know where they are, how they exist, yeah. but it'd be really cool to see some trails going, following this like historical landmarks, you know? Yeah. And some people have reached out, oh, you know, you should, it's not really Northern, like you really should be doing North, like really Northern Saskatchewan and Manitoba, BC. And like, that's so beyond my skill set right now to like try to plot that properly. Yeah. Like, how am I going to get that really scouted? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it could be just like hundreds of miles of bushwhacking. And, and a lot of roads up there, they only exist in the winter, you know, when they're frozen. Like, yeah. Like my dad's. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but you also need to have really like skills, like backcountry skills. Like this isn't like, you're probably going to have like 500 kilometers with no services or something like that. Yeah. It has to be within people's means of resupply and stuff. You know, it can't be something that's so off, you know that they're going to make a documentary on TV and have a challenge for it. <laughs> See who can yeah, survive exactly. and do your route. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good point. Like with the GNBR, it's all, I mean, it's challenging for sure, but it's, I say it's approachable because um, I don't think there's anything longer than like just over 200 kilometers without service. Yeah. Um, if you have a water filter, I mean, I was looking at the route, there's very little, very little places where you're going to go more than a hundred kilometers. I'm sorry, man. I've I've lost my train of thought. I think we have a reality TV show in the making. We need to make the most ridiculous route and people aren't allowed to resupply in villages. They have to hunt and kill their own food and, (laughs) and then make it across Canada. Like, (laughs) so yeah, Yeah, for the the most part, like 200 kilometers is kind of the the biggest gap. Yeah. Something like that. So I don't think there's very much, there's a section in Quebec that's definitely uh, more remote. Uh, is that in the north of the river or like once you get towards Gaspé kind of thing? No, I think it's kind of east of uh, Tremblant. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's some of the, the nature reserves or the mm-hmm. parks there. Yeah, there's a lot of zecks and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think there's much out there. But, I mean, there's a lot of water. 
I'm a, it looks like there's a lot of water, so it's not. One really, uh, really cool thing I learned at the summit from Mary Pierre's presentation is that um, all the Zex, the zone, whatever, ecologic, uh, whatever, um, you can wild camp in them anywhere you want and there's no problem. Wow. But in a lot of the national park ones, you could get fined and stuff, right? Like Papino Labelle, she told us uh, she was wild. She was going to wild camp, and then the, the the rangers or whatever saw her because she was out at the water, and then they were telling her it's a six hundred fifty dollars fine, so she had to get on her bike and ride out of the park. Oh wow! That's so crazy. that was like really interesting to see because like my route goes through there, and I was like, yeah, just lots of lakes, man. Find a place to sleep. <laughs> now I've updated and saying like. Be aware that you're not allowed to camp in here without, you know. Yeah, I'm sure there's places to hide. I mean, it's a big park. Yeah, that's the thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like you, you got to be really, you know, make it stealth, super stealth. Yeah, and I know she's done a big section of what I have mm-hmm. in the route um, through the more remote parts of Quebec because she did like the uh, traverse, Quebec, yeah, the traverse. So um, I know at least a, that area has been ridden in the last little while um so i'm happy to see that but uh yeah i'm definitely hoping and you and i think you i know because i put you in touch with her and i said talk to to marie pierre because she rode this and uh and i and i think that yeah i'm sure lots of adjustments got made from that discussion yeah for sure and i think uh I think you had mentioned maybe some riders have said there might have been some type three fun in there somewhere uh so i definitely don't want to do that (laughs) yeah yeah And um, how was, uh, what was, like, what were the challenges in the prairies? Like, are there a lot of, is there a lot of, gra- I mean, there must be lots of gravel, right? Yeah. What I've been told, so the wind is always going to be an issue out there. Uh, it's a prairies, So, I mean, either you're going to have a crosswind, tailwind, or a brutal headwind, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, everyone gets lucky or unlucky. Uh, I've told, there's a ton of dirt roads, but I think if it rains, some of those dirt roads can become impassable oh okay uh, what i've been told so you have to probably uh go with i mean some people depending on the weather might have to stick to more some of the paved roads but a, a lot of a lot of stuff out there's a pretty good grid so you can find a parallel road yeah so that uh, i guess that you kind of say that like this is the route but if the weather's really crap you might want to rethink where you're riding and just take a paved road that's parallel to it right yeah so that's material i'll be you know that kind of information I'm working on. Yeah. And the other thing I've really been working on is through, especially like Winnipeg and Man- uh, Saskatchewan, is to prove that you know riding through these provinces aren't just about like you know endless canola fields and you know <laughs> you know they have other uh, things <laughs> elevators and things like there are forested sections. Um, some areas have built up like little trail networks, like little single track mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so I'm always trying to put those together um, just to break up the flow and make things a little yeah, more interesting. Yeah. I have a friend in uh, Weyburn, which is in Southern Saskatchewan and uh, her husband's like involved with the local mountain bike community and they they do build their own little trails around there and stuff. But uh, it's pretty far South. So I don't know if you're, you're South at that point yet. I haven't, I haven't yeah, I don't, looked. Don't get out to there. I stick a little more North than that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And does your, in, in Winnipeg, do you kind of get up to like Tabletop Mountain or is it called Tabletop? Is that the mountain it's called? I forget what's called. Or up towards Lake Winnipeg at all or anything like that? No, because Winnipeg, I go to Winnipeg and then I start heading okay. south towards the U.S. border from there. Um, but that actually, that route looks actually pretty interesting from Winnipeg to the border. Um, there's a few trail options there. And, oh, neat. Um, yeah, so that's another area that uh, could use some testing for sure if mm-hmm. anyone's listening in Winnipeg <laughs> any Winnipeg bikers out there uh, <laughs> testing testing test anyway, literally <laughs> um, how about uh, I know like I mean there's so many route options when you come across into Tobermory what was your what's the kind of uh, general plot line for that heading yeah, it was almost like Ontario was a struggle because we know Ontario so well and we mm-hmm. developed so many routes. I'm like, oh, what do I do? I'm like, I love this section, but, you know, in the BT, but does that really make sense for someone who's got 2,000 kilometers in Ontario <laughs> to get through or whatever? Um, so, yeah, it, it makes use of, like, uh, a lot of the what's on the BT-700 route. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all the hardest stuff, like some sections of that. Um, and then... 
it cuts over north of Toronto. There's a lot of trails and uh, like some gravel roads and stuff like that. And then it eventually does pick up um, the Logjar Results okay. route from uh, Charlotte Lake to Ottawa. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. So that was easy. That was, and there's, uh, I mean, that now did it go like char- like following the clockwise route or like Charlotte Lake cutting over towards Ottawa through Carlton Place, Almont that that way? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. So because so, you wanted them to come into Ottawa and get to see the the big city. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah without a shout, but. Uh, that section between like Ottawa and Charlotte Lake is really like there's a lot of real beautiful. There's some good riding. Ride. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was totally happy to uh, use Eric and Jen's kind of little section there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Ontario is shaping up to be from Sault Ste. Marie to Ottawa. Like, I mean, that looks. I think that's going to be an amazing ride. And and the vast majority of it is scouted and ridden by many many people, so it makes it a little bit easier to handle, right? It's like one less thing to manage. Yeah, I mean, there's a few sections that still need a little uh, tweaking or uh, scouting, but um, generally, from I would say like eighty percent is no, nah, I would say almost like eighty to ninety percent like ready to go. Like you could do it now and be be totally fine. Because I know somebody just rode the section from uh, Sault Ste. Marie to where you would turn off to go down towards... Uh, okay. To um, Espanola, that area? Yeah, yeah. So that section's been tested and a couple tweaks and that's ready to go. Um, so yeah, Ontario. Ontario's the easiest so far. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I mean, I, I look forward to... Uh, I'll be riding a little piece of it because it's on my route and I'm going to hopefully ride that uh, leaving tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be wicked hot though, so I'm always second guessing it. Because, but I'm going to go do it. It's my, it's my trip before my trip, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing how this grows and uh, how many people get out there and ride and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I can't. To me, I can almost. I can't. I I have trouble believing that it'll be fully scouted and done, but I know it will be at some point. Yeah, I mean, you might have gaps, right? I mean, you might get up to like the 80, 90% mark and, you know, you got little gaps here and there that might just take time until somebody says, hey, I'm going to ride this whole thing. Probably some crazy European, like you said. Yeah, at some point I just have to let it go and say, okay, this is ready to go. Um, And also I have to tell people, if you're going to ride a 14,000 kilometer route, you cannot expect it to go to plan all the time. There will be... (laughs) There will be guarantee. There will be bridge closures. There will be trail closures. Yeah. There will be landslides. There will be impassable mud roads. Um, it's. I think it's impossible to ride. The uh, what is an EFI? Uh, yeah, EFI. Yeah, I don't think it, because there's just so many variables, right? Like, well, there's even like even last week week and a half ago when Vincent was riding my route, uh, he got to Papino Labelle and he was on trail eight which is on my route. And then I saw he rerouted somewhere and then he sent me a picture and it's just like a swath of earth is missing. There had been a washout and you know, it would have been like you'd had to swim through a river or like, who knows? So he rerouted and you know, I just took it from there because that's the way it goes. Roads disappear sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, part of, part of that sport is adapting mm-hmm. if, you, if you can't adapt to those things then um, it's probably not the best sport in some ways for you <laughs> yeah. well said all right well matt i have no other questions i'm so glad that we had a chance to touch base here and um talk about the new route and how things are going and uh yeah we'll have to get together sometime in the future get out here come ride the the canadian shield yeah definitely all right I'd always be happy to ride in Gatineau Park any day of the week. <laughs> there you go. I live here. And I should say, if people want, they can go on the, the website, which is greatnorthernbikepacking.com, and then they can reach me through that if they have any oh, perfect. questions. Or, they or through Bikepacking Ontario, or, oh, yeah. <laughs> or through the Log Drivers Waltz. I don't know, sorry, the Butter Tire website. Uh, yeah, through that one yeah. as well. So. <laughs> yeah, lots of ways. I'll, uh, I'll add links as well. So um, thanks again for all your time. Um, You don't have to hang up, but I'll end the recording. So uh, talk soon. All right. Thanks, Chris. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. 
It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling.